Good morning. Good to be with you guys. My name's Ryan. Those of you that are new, so glad that you've joined us. Uh, we're going to be continuing on in our series in the Gospel of John this morning. We're in John chapter 16, if you want to open your Bibles to that. Um, the title of the sermon is The Holy Spirit Guides. Um, so, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've been learning about Him over the last few weeks. Um, it's been an incredible journey, I think, just for me to be refreshed and remember how God has worked in my life personally in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you a story. Uh, years ago, um, back in my uh, t early tw 20s, when I came to faith in Christ, I had gone down to Texas for a period of time for some schooling. It was back in the early 2000s, and we were at this uh, Christian concert uh, the Passion, Louis Giglio, and a bunch of other uh, guys had kind of started rallying college students from all across the country for these festivals. And I was with some of my friends that were born again. They were new Christians, and uh, they were on fire for, for, for the Lord. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And I remember there was a break in the concert, and then everybody kind of went to go get snacks, lunch, and then hit the, hit the restrooms, you know, before uh, the concerts all started back up. And so I'm standing there, um, and I get in this line for this porta potty, because that's what you do at a concert when there's no plumbing or whatever. They just drop the porta potties out there. So I'm in line for this porta potty, and I strike up a conversation with this complete stranger. Imagine that. Um, my wife says that's very normal. She gets frustrated with me uh, if we're on a tight time frame uh, to go grocery shopping or something. She'll just say, you stay in the car. I don't want you talking to anybody. Uh, or we'll go out to eat and uh, I'll, I'll strike up a conversation. The next thing you know, I feel like it's just this really cool Holy Spirit moment where God works it out to where something perhaps that they were going through was a word or encouragement that I was able to provide, or maybe they to me, and that's happened so many times. So we strike up this conversation, this guy right next to me, his name was John, and maybe for five minutes or so while we're standing in this porta potty line, um, he starts actually unfolding his kind of life story and kind of his train wreck faith. Um, he'd grown up in the church and um, he had done everything from lead worship to teach, uh, to serve with the kids and the youth. And then he said through it all, he did it because he just wanted to belong. But he said through it all, he actually never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, it was a very religious mindset that he thought that he could just do these really good things and get closer to God. And he's telling me how impactful that this uh, concert was that he needed a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he talked about how he was just living a kind of a life full of rules and regulations and trying to earn God's favor and blessing in his life. And I was coming from a different background. I was coming from irreligious lifestyle. I scorned the church. I didn't like church. I didn't want to be around Christian people. I didn't like to sing. I didn't like to preach. I didn't like to go to church. Um, I was sex, drugs, rock and roll. And so my experience was irreligion and then found Jesus Christ. His experience was religion. And then he found Jesus Christ. So we're standing in this porta potty line. Psalm 63 is a passage that he said, this is what the Lord's been teaching me. And I'll quote it to you. It says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. 
My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He shared with me how he was seeking God and that he wanted to be refreshed and be renewed and that this concert and this festival was doing that. And through the music and through, I believe, the Holy Spirit and through the scriptures, this guy's life was beginning to change. And I was just in a moment just taking it all in. Um, I prayed for him in just a moment uh, right before he's about to step inside the, the porta potty. And then he leaves and says, uh, I see you later, Ryan. And I say, John, I'll see you later, bud. I'm going to pray. Maybe we see each other again one day. Take care. And, um, you know, I didn't think much about it, but I decided I'd go ahead and write it down in my Bible on a little sticky note right beside Psalm 63. And I wrote these words right here. Uh, pray for John that God will use him in his ability for music to give God glory everywhere. And maybe one day we may see each other again. I met him at College Station in Texas at a concert. Uh, we prayed together and he gave me Psalm 63. He's at a community college in Fort Worth. Fast forward several years. I'm working in Colorado as a river guide. Um, I, worked, uh, I logged 3,000 miles in class 3, 4, and 5 whitewater. And, um, and I'm on Browns Canyon, and I've got a crew of folks in my boat, and uh, I'm in a rowboat, combo boat. They paddle, I row to make sure they don't screw us up. <laughs> and and uh, we're, we're going down the river, and one of my favorite things to do is to share my faith with people. And that's what it was, and that's what it is today. And so I'm sitting in this boat talking about Jesus and talking about how God's word has changed my life. And then we're coming up at the end. It's Hecla Junction. That's where we pull out. And there's this big beach and all the school buses are down and the trailers are there. And you've got to pull into the beach and then deflate your rafts and then pile them all up and go do it again. And I'm in the boat and we're kind of um, coming up towards the, the beach there. And I look out and I see this guy on the beach. And I'm like, man, that guy looks really familiar. Um, and so I kind of stare at him for a little bit and then the, the boat people, the people in the boat, the paddle crew starts talking to me and I guess I zoned out because I heard, Hey, are you listening? But in the midst of it, I was staring at this guy on the beach and he looked real familiar and then he looked at me and then I looked at him and then it got real awkward <laughs> and, and then, uh, I did what, I didn't know what to do. I just said, John, is that you? And he yells out, Ryan, from the porta potty? <laughs> and the paddle crew's like, this is really awkward. And I go, I wrote you in my sticky note. <laughs> and then they're like, what is going on? And John goes, he comes out, it's like Peter and Jesus in the boat. He starts running through the water. And I just jump off the boat. And I run up and I give him a big hug. I go, oh my gosh, John, I was praying for you. I've got you written on a sticky note in my Bible. He goes, man, that's amazing. He goes, this is my youth group I'm with. I brought them. I'm a worship leader. I teach too. I got to do it all. And he said, and I'm getting married. I was like, man, John, I can't believe that. I was praying for you just the other day. We laughed and we cried for just a moment. I mean, like so fast. And then I hear somebody yell out, hurry, get that boat. 
And I said, oh, shoot, who did that? <laughs> and thankfully, somebody grabbed the boat, and because there's class four rapid right below there called Seidel Suckhole. And uh, they pulled it in, and we got on the bus, and I remember everybody asking me, what just happened? And I told them, I said, I met this guy, and the Lord put it on my heart, and I wrote it down, and years later, I see him again. I, and I was like, when we get back to camp, I'll show you my Bible with the note in it. And I don't know what happened. I hope that their faith grew tremendously. And my hope and prayer is, is that you as a Christian can understand that the Holy Spirit wants to guide you. He's going to guide you with people in your life. He's going to guide you to decisions that you make. There's a journey called the Christian life, and you're on it. Amen? And the Bible is that roadmap for you, and that Holy Spirit is the guide to live it out. And so what I want to encourage you to do as we get into this, this conversation of the Holy Spirit, don't look at the Holy Spirit as somebody else that's an impersonal figure or force. This is the third person of the Trinity. He, his pronouns are he, his, and him. Amen? And, and so he has an active role in your life. Jesus is trying to explain this to his disciples and he says in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, that's where we're going to be. These guys are discouraged. These guys are defeated. These guys are frustrated because Jesus says he's leaving. And he says, I've got something great for you. It's the Holy Spirit. Um, here's what he says. John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. Jesus says, I still have many, many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And for he will speak not on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has, is mine. Therefore I, uh, therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The first thing I want to show you this morning is that we need the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need the Holy Spirit in our life. Um, like the air that you breathe, you need the Holy Spirit. These disciples needed the Holy Spirit. That's the very first verse it says back in there, if you look in your Bible. He says, I got so many more things to say to you, but you can't bear it. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you. In other words, you need the Holy Spirit because you cannot take what I'm about to tell you even more. The Holy Spirit is the helper. The Holy Spirit's the one that was going to guide these guys that are in the room, the disciples, the apostles, to guide others. They, they couldn't even guide themselves. But they're going to be called upon to be the formation and the foundation and the catalyst for the church. My point is, is that we need the Holy Spirit. On my 20th wedding anniversary, my wife and I went scuba diving, and I love scuba diving. It's like a... Um, What's that song? It's a whole new world. <laughs> was that Ariel or what was that? <laughs> Little Mermaid? Is that what that was? Aladdin. Aladdin. Was it Aladdin? Thank you. <laughs> oh, gosh. So it is a whole new world underwater. And what happens when you're scuba diving is you're dependent on that air. Here's what happens. Let me put it in... Uh, easy terms. You take air that's up there in that world, the top world, 
And then you take it to a whole new world, a different world. And there's no surviving in the new world underwater unless you got air from the other world. Amen? It's the same way in the Christian life. You need a life source to make it right here, and you need air from up there in heaven to make it down here. And the word for the Holy Spirit oftentimes is referred to as pneuma, which is air. Isn't that cool? Uh, it's an invisible life force for you. In the heart of a believer, you have an invisible life source that you need. These disciples needed it. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus foretold about his journey to Jerusalem and the persecution and the suffering and the death. And the 12 disciples, they did not get it. They understood none of these things. Um, in Mark chapter 9, it says that... Uh, Jesus predicted again his death and his resurrections and the disciples still, the scripture says that they did not understand what he meant and they were afraid and they didn't even want to talk to him about it. Um, in Luke chapter 24, after the resurrection, when Jesus is on the road to Emmaus, it says that the, the disciples are there and they're distressed and frustrated about what's happened. They don't understand uh, that Jesus is really alive and Jesus shows up and says, how foolish you are. You are so slow to believe. My point in saying this is that they were slow to learn and they needed help. And you, honestly, and me, were slow learners. Some of you are like, no, I'm a fast learner. Well, and I remember in college there was these really smart girls in the accounting class. They were the fast learners. Me and my brother, we were the slow learners. My brother says, how are we going to pass this class? I said, we're going to hang out with the fast learners. And that's how we did it. And literally, God used my little craftiness for his sovereign purpose and plan. Because then we go study with the smart girls in college. And guess who's the roommate? It's that beautiful, sweet girl named Leslie. And then after a while of studying, I just confessed. I said, hey, I don't need to study anymore. I want to know your roommate. Um. We need help. We need help from the Holy Spirit. Um, second point I want to make to you is this, is that the Holy Spirit guides believers into God's word. Look what it says in the Bible there, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, and it says, into all the truth. That means he's going to guide you to a destination. If, you were, if, you've, if you've ever served as a guide or paid a guide, your guide better know where to go. If he doesn't know where to go, he's an idiot. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a guide, and he's guiding you to a destination into the truth. How does that translate? That translates like this. When the Holy Spirit reveals something, you can bank on that it's going to make sense in the Word of God. Amen? So what I heard, I heard somebody say, God led me to marry this is a, a woman who's a Muslim. I'm like, God didn't lead you to do that. You foolish the Bible says that you, don't, you, don't, you need to be uh, equally yoked. You don't want to be unequally yoked. Uh, you hear people say, the Lord, Holy Spirit, led me, uh, uh, persuaded to me to divorce my spouse. Holy Spirit didn't tell you to do that. You're just making stuff up. What does it say? The Holy Spirit, the truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth. What does that mean contextually in the room? Here's what it means. Who's in the room? 
These are Bible writers that are in the room. The Holy Spirit's the one who's actually going to bring to remembrance. And remember in John chapter 14, it says that the guys are going to remember everything that Jesus taught. And then they're going to be supernaturally writing it down. Scripture says in John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus says he's going to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything that I said. So these slow learners, these disciples, they're going to remember because they got the Holy Spirit helping them out. It's like the dimmer switch on Thursday night. It's a dark room. And then from time to time, we'll adjust that dimmer switch. Well, what the Holy Spirit does in your life, sometimes you don't understand what you're going through right now. He'll dimmer switch you. And he starts to bring up the lights. And then you're like, oh, I get it. What is that? That's the Spirit of God. He's going to teach you. The Holy Spirit supernaturally guides these New Testament writers. Eventually, they're going to get it. Remember, the angels at the tomb show up, and they're like, hey, remember, he's not here, just like he told you. And then the scripture tells us they finally remembered. And then Jesus shows up to his disciples, and it says that on the road to Emmaus, he opened their minds, and they finally understood the scriptures. The Apostle Paul said, when it came to writing the scriptures in 1 Corinthians, here's what the Apostle Paul says, that these things God has revealed to us through, help me out, the Spirit. And you, didn't, you wouldn't know that, but I was just seeing if you could guess it. Uh, and then he says, and we impart this not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul continues to say in, in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out. Um, and the word breathed out in the Greek is uh, theopneustos. And I think I butchered that in the Greek. But what that means, it's literally breathed out or it's inspired by God. The apostle Peter, the guy that's in the room, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to help him and he's going to write scripture for us. And he says, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the New Testament writers needed the Holy Spirit to supernaturally record the scriptures in which you and I read. The Holy Spirit guides you into the truth and it guided the disciples into the truth to communicate and record the truth. My point is the Holy Spirit guides you into God's word and you can trust God's word despite being written over a span period of 1,600 years by more than 40 authors with diverse backgrounds ranging from kings to former killers, from prophets to priests to fishermen and farmers. The Bible has this golden thread of unity through it telling the story and the glory of God working in and through the earth. The Bible repeatedly claims to be inspired by God. The Old Testament refers to itself as the word of God more than 3,000 times with the phrase, the word of the Lord, describing God's revelation um, and his spokesman appearing more than 250 times. My point is, is that we need the word. Um, the Holy Spirit guides us in the word. So when you're here listening to a sermon, hearing the word, and then something stands out and pressures you, points on you, that's the Holy Spirit, okay? He's trying to help you get scripture and get into it. Uh, that's what he's going to do. He's going to guide you into all truth. Third point I want to make is that the Holy Spirit reveals things about the future. Um, 
the Holy Spirit reveals things about the future. Uh, that's what the scripture says. Look in your Bible, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare it to you. The things that are to help me out to come. Let's try that again. He's going to declare to you the things that are to There you go. The things that are to come. This is about uh, the future. Um, I study the future all the time. I study it in the Bible. I also study forecasts. So I'm a, I'm a hunter. And so I always want to know, like, what's the forecast? Um, I know that we're going to hit actually a record high of heat this week. Imagine that. Um, and then it's going to be a cold snap at the end of the week. And then I know that there's a very high likelihood of rain coming next week. And, uh, and then I know that as a result, It'll be make for good quail hunting. <laughs> so I've got my plans. Um, so Jesus reveals things about the future, the, the things that are to come. I believe specifically this is actually about the second coming of Christ is what he's referring to. Um, the second coming of Christ. In his first coming, he came as a baby in Bethlehem. In his second coming, he's coming um, in his glory. In his first coming, he came in his humiliation in the incarnation. In his second coming, he's coming back as a king. The first phase of that, I believe, the Bible teaches that he's actually going to rapture his church. Um, Christ comes, according to the scripture, the things that are to come for the church, the things that are to come for believers today, is that we are awaiting a rescue operation. If you've ever uh, worked or seen the first responders or um, rescue workers, there's a rescue operations that are made all the time. Uh, this last uh, uh, early uh, January, late December, we went on a ski trip, and my son, who's 18 years old, took his nephew down the mountain, and he had li little regard for the signs on what level of ski slopes these were, and he takes our, the little nephew down there, and it's a double black, and so the little boy just goes straight down the mountain like this, whoa! And an hour and a half later, there's the slopes closed at 4 at 5.30. I'm wondering, where are they? They had a rescue operation to go get, the, go get my son and, and my nephew. Um, uh, Uncle Bobo was not happy. Um, the Lord has a rescue operation for his church. If you haven't noticed, things are kind of heating up in our culture. Uh, the Bible talks about a time when there will be a great tribulation. The Bible talks about that nations will turn against Israel. The Bible talks about apostasy when believers will fall away from the faith. The Bible talks about church, the church um, will continue and persevere and stand strong and make it to the end. The Bible talks about a rescue operation and there's no signs that are needed. He's going to come in the clouds and it'll occur in the blink of an eye. There will be a rapture. Uh, believers all across the world will be absent in a moment's notice. It's very interesting. New Age uh, eschatology believes that there is their forecasting and their future idea is that actually aliens are going to abduct people. <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, who told them that? Satan. Demons. Because they counterfeit everything. And so literally in the New Age movement right now, there's forecast in, in eschatology that there is a something's going to happen where all, 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 all sorts of people are going to go missing from the world. Um, 
So these are the things that are to come, I believe, and ultimately Jesus Christ will return to earth and establish an earthly kingdom. Uh, Christ will come with his saints, and believers will come with them as well, and uh, many signs will occur at this point in time, and they'll be visible to the entire world, Uh, but we're not there yet. Um, And the things that are to come, I believe that Jesus is, is teaching them, he's got to prepare them because these are the guys that are writing prophecy. So he's like, there's many more things that are to come. I'm going to help you with the Holy Spirit to help you prepare everybody else for the future. And so what are the things to come? Well, I've said them to you. Uh, There's a rescue operation that we're awaiting. The next big event on God's prophetic calendar, the things to come, is the rapture. Uh, We should expect between now and then wars and rumors of wars. We should expect between now and then... uh, that many who profess faith in Christ will fall away um, because they were never genuinely believers. We should expect an increased level of persecution, and yet we should expect that the church is going to continue to strengthen and move forward. So what should we do between now and then is the question. What we should do between now and then is we should share and show the love of Jesus Christ. Um, We have a role and a responsibility to play as believers right now. Um, and it's incredibly important that we share and show the love of Jesus Christ. I'm envisioning uh, perhaps this next election season. If you thought last year, the, uh, our, our last election season was tough with Christians and with the culture, it's going to be double that. Um, you as a Christian, you're going to have to learn how to figure out how to continue uh, to be filled with grace and filled with truth, both. Jesus was filled with grace and filled with truth. That, that ought to be you. Um, so here's the last point. The Holy Spirit's going to bring glory to Jesus. Um, he's going to bring glory. Look at verse 14. Um, Jesus says, he's going to glorify me. Um, I want to pause on that word glorify. Um, the word glory in the Greek is doxa. Everybody say doxa. It's where we get doxology. Um, and what the word means, it means to honor, or it could mean to magnify. How many of you have ever, um, as a kid, you can recall back, you played with magnifying glasses. You remember that? And then if you were, if you were pretty clever with those magnifying glasses, you figured out how to channel light. You're like... Um, There's a magnification of the Spirit's work. The Spirit of God actually wants to amplify and magnify the name and fame of Jesus Christ. It's really cool. Um, Jesus says he's going to glorify me. That's what he's doing. He's going to take what's mine. He's going to declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, uh, I said that he will take what is mine and he's going to declare it to you. The work of the Holy Spirit, uh, we learned earlier, is that to bear witness um, of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 26, it says, when the helper comes, he will bear witness about me. Uh, One way that the Spirit of God uh, will glorify Jesus and does and has and will continue to is to simply bear witness about Jesus Christ. And this occurred in the life of Jesus at his baptism when the dove comes down. And uh, signifies and gives that approval. It happens at the transfiguration. Uh, It happens um, at Pentecost. 
Um, there's a continual work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to, in one part, with, is to magnify Jesus. And he does it in the world. And he wants to do it in and through the church. So if a church is working correctly with the Holy Spirit, then what people hear is they hear about Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is trying to help motivate you, us corporately and individually to share and show the love of Jesus. Um, and so how do we do that? How do we kind of participate with the Holy Spirit's bringing glory to Jesus? How do we magnify Jesus uh, as believers or as a church? Um, well, you've heard it said, right, from Jesus. Um, help me finish the sentence if you know it. Um, you are a light of the world. Jesus said that, that the church is a light to the world. Um, the Holy Spirit wants to take that light and magnify it. That, that the church becomes like a lighthouse on a freeway. Where people go, if I'm in darkness, I went through a divorce, I went through a, a loss of a family member, a financial crisis, I'm, I, I'm wasted away in addiction. The church is a light. And what's going to happen is, is that the Holy Spirit wants to take us corporately and go, shine the light, shine the light. But what we got to be careful of is when the Holy Spirit's magnifying the light, you can trust that he's not magnifying it in such a way that's going to destroy the individual in which we're talking to. Let me illustrate it. So um, the doxa, the word, Greek word for glorify is doxa, and it means to magnify, and you are a light to the world. And back on my illustration, when I was a kid, I'd take that magnifying glass. And I figured out, nobody taught me this. This is what happens when you have too much time on your hands. I took the magnifying glass and I sat out in my sandbox. I was very young, figured this out. And my brother would bring out little pieces of paper and I would hold that magnifying glass and it would channel the light in such a powerful way that it would bring a beam of light so hot that it would burn the piece of paper. Have you ever seen that before? It's really cool. Well, when the paper was all gone, I didn't know what to burn up. And so I looked around and I saw ants. And then I would chase them with the beams. And then finally I'd catch up to them and go, pow. It was amazing. <laughs> so what's my point? My point is, is that believers, you have to watch out. Jesus says you're to be a light to the world. But he's not intending you that you're a light so bright that literally you're literally catching people on fire. If your conversations in contact with other people and your light is literally like so painful on the individual or uh, you're at like it's bringing out the worst in you, then I, I, I don't think it's the kind of light that the Lord wants you to shine. Uh, if it's going to trigger something in you that's literally destroying that relationship and closing the opportunity that you have to share and show the love of Jesus Christ, um, you've gone way too far. Um, we're to glorify Jesus Christ and we're to bear witness about him. 
Um, and we're going to do it through the church. The church is Jesus's plan A. It's the Holy Spirit's plan A. It's that you and I are to share and show the love of Jesus Christ to people around us. How do we do that at North Valley? Um, we offer church services, and we'll continue to offer as many as we can before we have to build a building. Um, we start community groups to help people get connected and grow together and grow in their faith. That's kind of the main two things that we do. And then the last thing that we do that's probably the most significant for kingdom impact is start churches. Um, we help start a church in Surprise called The Garden. We help start a church called Flatirons um, out in the East Valley, and they're doing incredible. Um, I want to share with you a testimony of a, um, a, an interview that I did with Matt Rose. He's a church planter, and he's the next church that we're um, going to help start, Orbit Church, February 25th. And uh, I'm going to be there at the grand opening. I have three other pastors and other churches coming to be there. And uh, here's this interview. Uh, check this out. You're, you're meeting now. Yeah. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about you, your family, yeah. and kind of how things are going. So, no, my name's Matt Rose. Uh, I'm originally from, from Arkansas as well. Pig Suey. Yeah, I've come out here a few times. I don't know if any of you in here, but maybe some of you... Uh, on the Sunday service have met me before uh, so that we can get ready for our launch or grand opening on February 25th. So that's, that's what we're doing right now. My wife, her name's Hannah. We've been married for about 12 years. It could be 11. I'm blanking right now. It's, it's weird. Okay. How many um, kids? Two kids. One is six, almost seven. The other one just turned four. Lucas uh, is the older one and Micah is a girl. She is our younger. God just gave me the very clear vision uh, that we were to plant a church. And Phoenix was really on our heart for a million different reasons. We started looking out here and we saw that Buckeye was one of the fastest growing areas, but also one of the least churched areas. And since it's growing, there's infrastructure constantly changing. We just got a Costco out in Buckeye. If they need a Costco, they need more churches, you know? And so it's time for us to be a part of the spiritual infrastructure. And we want to provide opportunities locally for them to just experience Jesus in a fresh way. One of our values is that we put God's word in our world. And, and that comes mm. from just so many years of when I open God's word and read it, that's when I feel ultimately the disclosure that this text we just read talks about. Mm. You guys had a trailer stolen. Yeah. What's going on there? Yeah. So. Well, I got to say this since, since you bring it up, like uh, North Valley has been just so, so generous uh, to us, bringing me over with my wife. Um, your pastor is constantly calling and keeping in touch to encourage us. Um, and then you've even been financially helpful for us. And so we're just so grateful uh, for your generosity of time um, and, and investment in us. So we're grateful for that. So we come back. I haven't touched a bite to eat at this point. And I'm on my way uh, to Borrow's Pizza to grab a bite to eat for the first time. And I get a call uh, from Maricopa County Sheriff's Department, and they say, hey, uh, we got your trailer here, I think. I'm like, nope, that's impossible. It's in secure boat storage, boat and RV storage. That's where, it's, that's where it's at. And he said, well, it's a bunch of A-frame signs that say Orbit Church on it. And I'm like, oh, no. Um, are there any flight cases in that trailer, by the way? And he said, no, no flight cases, just some pipe and drape. And I'm like, oh, no. And it turns out they had taken about $45,000 worth of equipment and I'm sitting here like three days into the fast. I'm like, God, I know you're going to do something, but like, what 
what's going on here? Mm. So we go out and we look at it, and they had taken all the stuff out. They'd thrown all the things that weren't electronic equipment on the ground, like kicked it everywhere. And uh, it, what was, it was sad, uh, but what was amazing about it was that God used that to kind of galvanize our team. He used that to help us realize the support we have in the community. And he has been just like busting open floodgates of blessing. Um, we've restored some of that. Um, but at the same time, more than anything, it's gotten our team closer together. So it's, it's been a crazy situation. Yeah. Um, so here's what I would ask you, Matt, is how, what can we do as a church to support you? Yeah, I mean, just, just keep praying for us. We're, like I said, we're grand opening on February 25th. This room, y'all are welcome to join us. The ones who come on Sunday keep coming here on Sunday. They need yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone who feels led to, whether it's give to the hope offering or, or just, you know, follow us on Instagram at orbit.church or Facebook. And just keep up with us. Continue to pray. Be reminded as you look on uh, the social media accounts. And I think um, ultimately you already have been supportive. Yeah. And and so we feel that. We're grateful for it. Let's give a round of applause for that. Yeah. Um, Hey, thank you as a church. uh, The hope offering, that's the category of giving that we've actually been able to help Matt out in the past. Um, This whole event where he had the trailer stolen um, and lost a lot uh, has triggered a new need and we want to see that church open so um, if you want to participate here's a couple of ways that you could help if you want to show up with me on that Sunday in Buckeye uh, feel free to do that Um, I'm going to teach in the Thursday night service on that particular day and um, and then I've got the Thursday night congregation going over to help them start um, that service, uh, those two services, we're going to be there all day. And, um, but the other thing you can do is you can go, you can pray. If you've got friends, how many of you got friends in Buckeye? Just raise your hand for me. Anybody like uh, Buckeye is basically California. It's over there. Um, but they're opening a Buckeyes over there from what I hear. Yeah. Somebody's excited about the Buckeyes, uh, Buckeyes and Buckeye. That makes sense. Right. Um, but anyway, I would just say, if you've got friends in Buckeye, send them to that church, Orbit Church. Um, if you want to go and be there with me and some of the other folks from North Valley on that Sunday, February 25th, we're praying to open that church on that Sunday with two services. Um, and then as well, if you want to just um, give financially, here's what I would tell you to do. Make sure you're first giving above and beyond your regular giving, because we have a church to run called North Valley. And uh, give above and beyond your regular giving, and you can give to the hope offering. And so we're going to do something already, but depending on how the church responds to this need with Orbit Church, uh, we'll determine if we give more or not. So I'm not going to tell you the number, but we have a couple other churches that are going to help out with that. So uh, Phoenix Bible Church is one, Mission Grove, another church that we helped start a couple years ago, and they're doing great. Now they're giving to help support Orbit and their launch. And then all three of those pastors, myself included, are going over on that grand opening to support Matt and his wife and the team. Um, So um, let's pray for for Orbit Church and pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the church here and there. Heavenly Father, thank you. As we pause to kind of slow down for a moment, just to take it all in from the Word of God and the teaching about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit of God. Um, We pray, would you magnify the name of Jesus in and through North Valley, corporately, and in and through us personally. 
magnify the name of Jesus through Orbit Church, Flatirons, the Garden, Mission Grove, all the churches, Lord, that we've helped start here recently. We pray that you would magnify your name so that people can be saved and experience salvation and hope and healing. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in our church. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come into a time of communion. And I don't know, I, maybe somewhere in the sermon, something convicted you, something challenged you, lean into that, okay? And use the communion moment to kind of get in line with the Holy Spirit to go, yes, Lord, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. I want to be more faithful in this area. The Bible says that every single one of us sin. There's no uh, perfect person, no perfect people come to church. Every one of us struggle with sin. But here's the good news. This Bible tells us that we can come boldly to this throne of grace of God and we can find mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And communion is that reminder that you can find that in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so the cups are stacked together, the juice and the crackers. And so take a moment when you grab communion this morning as a believer in Jesus Christ, take it and then say to the Lord, Lord, I am sorry for you fill in the blank. I Maybe I want to magnify your name more. Give me a better boldness and confidence to share, to show the love of Christ to the people around me. Or Lord, guide me so I can guide my family closer to Jesus. Or whatever be the case, take a moment. Connect with the Lord and we're going to worship together. And this is an opportunity for believers to remember the work that Jesus Christ has done that you can find forgiveness, hope, and healing. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. You said do this a lot. Do it in remembrance of you. And we thank you, Lord, that you don't even leave us as orphans. You provided the gift, the salvation, and then you keep on giving us that gift and empowering us to live out the life that you intend for your church to do. Might you fill us even in this moment with honesty, humility, and Lord, power. In Jesus' name, amen. You can come as you're ready.